So this week, we're actually going to switch things up a little bit with Apple's own iPad. So with the latest developer beta release of iPadOS 17, it has given users the ability to exercise more functionality via the USB Type-C port. Uh, the primary intent of this from Apple was to allow people to plug higher-end cameras into the port, which would provide them with the use of an even better camera quality while doing video conferencing, hmm. uh, at least if one preferred such an experience. Uh, plus the fact that you can actually transfer photos and stuff a little bit more easier um, versus actually putting it on a card or a flash drive and then having to plug it into the iPad. It's just direct connect. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, but unfortunately, at least for now, this is limited to Apple-only developed applications such as FaceTime. That makes sense. Unless, of course, you start getting developers on board. Right. And that's where this comes in. So, however, with the aid of a third-party developer application dubbed Capture Pro UVC Viewer, which basically only has one primary function, and that is to pull audio and video from external devices. One such user, Charlie Sorrell, over at LifeWire, attempted this functionality, but with a different external device. And Riley, I think I can imagine you geeking out about this right now. That device was a Nintendo Switch. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. That is... I have no words. <laughs> I didn't think you would. So with <laughs> iPadOS 17, a UVC or USB video class adapter or converter... And providing that everything was plugged in in a certain order, Charlie was actually able to utilize the retina display on his iPad, as well as the high-quality speakers, to make shift the components into a portable gaming system. Um, wow. Yeah. Not to mention, he actually even took another step in attempting to listen to you know the gaming via his AirPods. So... <laughs> With exception of not having the option to enable spatial audio, this whole attempt actually seemed to be quite successful, uh, considering all of this is fairly sketchy and definitely still in beta form. So, I mean, what do you think? I felt I felt like that was pretty amazing. How much time did this guy have? <laughs> like, that's I'm I'm literally shocked. I mean, I'm not like oh, this was never going to happen. Right, but right, of course. It's like for someone to actually go ahead and do that, because now you can have, I mean, a lot of people are probably going to go ahead and hop on this train here. Exactly, yes. Because um, I know you can actually connect your pro controllers and even your Joy-Cons to the to your iPad and use it. Yep. But now you can literally just play yep. Switch. on your Like that's, that boggles my mind. I, I think I'm, I'm minorly in shock because of, how incredible that really is, honestly. I mean, just think about it. You're actually, I mean, I mean, the whole point of the Switch was to be portable in and of itself. Right, yeah. But even if you wanted to have, like, a bigger screen, you could just hop on a flight, you know, across the country and be in the airplane and pull out this iPad and have, like, a bigger gaming experience, just not in a full-fledged TV right. way. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty phenomenal. But um, That is pretty crazy. Uh, before we actually get into some tech announcements and quick topics, Riley, uh, I did want to mention that over here at Stern's Tech Talk, we are adding on a supplemental show. So mm -hmm. uh, you could theoretically, technically think of this as like Stern's Tech Talk overtime, but that's not necessarily how we would describe it. Yeah, uh, The show will be far less scripted, so we would be giving our thoughts and ideas on the fly, and it would or... I guess at least it should feel more low-key and chill, and it would probably feel a little less rushed. 
definitely yeah. also have fewer topics so that we, way we can spend more time breaking apart some of the details and our thoughts on controversial news and other topics that are currently happening in the worldwide tech community. Mm-hmm. So did you have anything else to say before I uh, close out with that one? The, the main thing that I've talked about with JD, because I kind of mentioned this whole idea to him, was sometimes when you're scripting and writing news and articles and searching up stuff, it gets rudimentary in the sense that like you can't really get a good experience out of just looking at a script or not even looking at a script, maybe just, you know, glancing at it and then talking about it. But, you know, with JD and I, it's better where we're able to actually discuss things uh, in more depth. And that's actually what we used to do a lot of. So, um, yeah. yeah, if we almost put a mic in the car and you guys listen to us, then uh, it would definitely sound a little bit more. Oh, interesting. yeah, it would be um, amazing. <laughs> so and that's kind of where this fed off from. So this is actually uh, this is full credit to Riley. This is more of his idea and trying to get it back to what we used to be before we started the show. So um, yep. the uploads will take place on the weekends and our first episode should be uploaded this Saturday and will be available on all platforms that Stern's Tech Talk is currently on. However, Mm -hmm. the following episodes will be aired only on Podcast Connect for early access subscribers uh, before it becomes generally available to the public, which I think we're setting, what is that, uh, three or four weeks later, I believe is what what it is. Yes, that's correct. Um, We still wanted y'all to have access to it, but unless you subscribe for early access, you would have to wait a little bit before that becomes, like I said, publicly available. Uh, The show is entitled Debatable. And you would actually see that in the episode title. That way you can kind of differentiate between our regular Newsweek type of uploads and that specific show. So, yeah, Riley and I are definitely excited about adding this on as part of our programming. Yeah. And uh, in hopes just to better break down some of the topics and news updates that come along our way. So, Riley, you have uh, some news on, you said it was the Apple Watch. What in the world? (laughs) Yes. Um, So, Kimmy Watkins... That is the name of a 29-year-old lady from Cincinnati who was able to survive a possibility of death if it were not for her Apple Watch. Essentially, Hmm. she was taking a nap and her watch was measuring her heart rate. It found that she had an irregular rate of 178 BPM, which triggered an alert. After visiting the hospital, the doctors found that she had a saddle pulmonary embolism, which not only limits blood flow through her lungs but also has a 50 percent survival rate oh, wow. um not gonna really go into depth uh with this since we've mentioned this type of topic quite a lot exactly um but this just goes to show that companies like apple are really keen on making certain people are kept in good hands if you will so yeah yeah and actually, we'll, we'll, we'll uh touch on that later on in the show with samsung as well so yeah yeah that's really crazy how old you said she was 29 29 29 wow yeah i know that's crazy well, i was like does it was she out of health or was... Or she is married. Uh, did she have kids? Um, I don't think so. I, okay. I don't think it's said. But yeah, she does have a partner and I guess he was not there. Um, so she would have had a possibility of dying right there and then and that would have not been great. So uh, thankfully... I mean, we're, we're obviously not doctors, but coming sure yeah, no. actually leads to that. <laughs> so that's crazy. Exactly. Uh, next thing... That we have, which is a little more lighthearted. Sure. Uh, in class action lawsuit that entails a $23 million payout, users who search the Google search 
engine between October of 2006 and September of 2013 are entitled to a potential share of that payout. According to the statistics, each approved claim would amount to a minimum of $7.70. However, I assume that some... Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I assume that some who saw that paltry amount and decided to pass in submitting a claim could make room for a bigger payout for others who actually did go in on the payout. So yeah, um, I, I believe that doesn't that isn't that how the, those payouts work? Um, from what you're saying, is I guess it just depends on how many are actually in the in the group. Yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah, yeah. And for for the sake of time in the show, I won't go into detail. Yeah, there, there's a lot of for sake of time in the show. I'm just gonna tell you right now. Uh, I won't go into <laughs> details, but you can definitely check them out in the description. And yeah. uh, by the way, for those who meet their criteria, all claims must be submitted by July 31st. So just be aware of that. Yeah, I don't. I don't you were you weren't really around for Google search back then, were you? I mean, 2013 is when you got like your iPhone six, right? No, actually, no. That's when no. that's when iPhone six came out. <laughs> yeah, I got my iPhone six in like 2016, I think. But uh, oh, okay, yeah. I no, I probably I don't even think I would have searched anything on Google in 2013. Yeah, at least not with your personal account. That probably would have been dad's or something. Yeah, I'm most sure. likely. So, but yeah, that's pretty crazy news. I mean, I know that like 29 million or 23 million isn't like a whole lot, but yeah. Hey, seven dollars and seventy cents. Yeah, or maybe more. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, moving back to another brand that we were talking about last week, uh, we cited a news update from Logitech that they were going to take the axe to their blue microphone lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, just as we were editing that episode and getting it ready for upload, uh, more news unfolded that their CEO Bracken Daryl has resigned, uh, which was oh, effective dang. last Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Daryl has been the head over Logitech for the past 10 years, but now wow. um, it's time to pursue another opportunity, or so he says. Um, okay. One of the board members at Logitech, uh, Guy Get, uh, that sounds Russian or maybe German, uh, okay. <laughs> will be their interim CEO as the computer accessory giant searches for a long-term replacement. So, okay. Um, I don't, we don't really pay attention too much to CEOs and stuff like that. I mean, I know we right. do showcase when certain people step down. So, uh, but I felt like this was pretty interesting. Just the fact that it's, I mean, how long has Tim Cook been in there? He's been in there since, um, Steve 2010, 11, actually. Yeah. Some, 2011, there. 2011. I think it was. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So he's been in there for what? 12, some years. And I assume his end is coming here pretty soon. He's, I can't imagine him doing it for too much longer. Is there actually any information on this new CEO that's um, temporarily taking his place or not much about him? Um, No, not really. Uh, This is obviously just one of the board members. So they don't really have anybody else specifically, at least that they've said in, you know, set for for taking over as a long term. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really know him as well either. So I couldn't tell you like what part he's been involved in as far as the company. So right. Uh, yeah, it's certainly worth noting that uh, while Daryl has officially stepped down, he has stated that he will remain at the company in the coming months to ensure kind of like a seamless transition. Okay, good. So that's, that's good. at least something that can, you know, better help with the company as they move forward because uh, they have had some ups and downs. Like they were really killing it during COVID because that's when a lot of people were buying more accessories because they were home. And now oh, things have yeah. kind of leveled okay. off. So, yeah. So that makes sense. But, um, 
Just to sum up here, after reading through some of what he said, it is clear that this seems to be all on good terms with Logitech. And uh, Bracken is very grateful for the hardworking people that he's been around and uh, throughout all the adversity and triumphs of the economy. So, um, yeah, I see, seem like from all that's 10 years. I mean, I've I've been with, you know, I've used a lot of Logitech stuff over the years. So I yeah, feel like same. Oh, whatever they've been doing has been working. So. Yeah, I've got yeah. I've I've used quite a lot of Logitech um, devices. I've even got a mouse right now, actually. And, yeah, I've got um, about two mice and a keyboard. So, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to discuss about you, but uh, no, <laughs> their stuff has gotten I think a lot better over the years. Obviously, they've improved on mistakes they've made, and hopefully, the next CEO that they get um, after this temporary one, of course, um, does. Yeah, carries on, does the better, maybe even a better job. Um, not saying that the other guy. Bracken did a horrible job, but yeah. Oh, you can always improve. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. There's a bit of an interesting news over at T-Mobile. Currently, T-Mobile only offers in-flight internet connection on one or maybe two airline companies, but now they have announced that this will no longer be the case as they are branching out to virtually all U.S. domestic airlines from Delta, Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, and United which would allow all T-Mobile customers to fly worry-free as to whether they would receive that in-flight connection, which is part of their carrier service, without any additional charges. So I, I think that's a pretty good addition right there. It is, yeah, because I, I, I do fly from time to time. And it's always nice to actually know that, hey, I'm on an airline that supports this and I don't have to worry about like paying those fees. Have you ever flown, Riley? I have actually uh, for a senior okay. trip back in uh, 2019 to Puerto Rico. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't really have uh, really utilize my phone a whole lot. Yeah, I, I still yeah. had my six at that point, but uh, but um, yeah, I don't remember ever. I don't even think I used my phone using internet or whatever for that period. I just had it on airplane mode. But uh, okay. regardless, yeah, that that's still well. Uh, things have changed. Yeah, they have <laughs> four years. Yeah, exactly. And another quick tidbit of news is if you have been experiencing voice command issues with Google Assistant in Android Auto, uh, then you may want to check for an update for the Google app on your Android phone. Uh, this update evidently fixes problems with voice commands, some of which are as simple as asking Google to like call a relative. And for some reason, Google wouldn't like know who that relative was that you're requesting. So, hmm. Uh, there is a possibility that this update may already be installed, if especially if you have auto updates enabled on your Android phone. Uh, so that being the case, you should already actually see a, a difference in a better in-car voice command experience with Android Auto. So um, you don't use that, so I really can't even ask you about that, Riley. But no, nope. I've used Android Auto once. Uh, I was testing out using the OnePlus Six that I oh yeah uh, right. that you gave me to use, and uh, um just actually a side note actually. Because I, I looked at it and JD was out with me and I was like, I actually kind of like Android Auto a little bit better because it seems more refined than Apple CarPlay. Don't get me wrong. I love CarPlay. It's it's a great uh, utilization of UI. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. Um, they both each have their strengths. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but with regards to that, um, not really much to say there. Just I'm at least glad they fixed, they were able to fix that. So, yeah, I mean, the whole point is actually hands-free experience. So exactly. That kind of screws yeah. that up. So, yep. So Apple is getting sour with their trademarks. Oh gosh. And they- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just wait. I didn't just go wait. unnoticed. Just wait. And they are now trying to get property rights to a generic Granny Smith Apple from a company in no Switzerland way. called 
Les Fruits Suisses. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but we're going to go with it. Oh, my god! And for a while, they have been very vast in their trademarks and basically don't want anyone to have an Apple logo, period. And I can prove that even more because in 2017, they tried originally with Switzerland to trademark a black and white Granny Smith apple. Now... As far as this particular trademark goes, it has been established that the general use of an apple may be used by any one person for their logo. So, Apple's Petty Pacific Caribbean core really is not going to win on this one. Thoughts, my brother? Uh, this is the part of me that... It, that well, I'll just say it. This is the part of me that hates Apple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, this, I'm with this, you right there. Just, this is just where I'm like, I'm ready to lace up the gloves and just be like, you guys are idiots. But um, it's, it, I, yeah, there is such I'm a thing you. as decorum and stuff. So, I mean, we try to keep it professional. But that, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Um, yep. It is. Yeah. I'm glad they're not going to win. But uh, I can't believe they even attempted that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, one quick thing to note about that, actually. The country's IP institute partially granted Apple's request last month, but only for some of the product categories that the iPhone maker sought. Uh, so they kind of won a little bit on certain things, but um, not with everything, okay, obviously. Okay, so it wasn't like, okay, all right, so it was a limited number of... Yeah, but know, just generically, approvals. any Apple, you know, a picture of an Apple. I mean, like, it's... It's so petty, honestly, and I don't it really I don't really see a logical reason why Apple would want to do this. Obviously, if you trademark Apple's logo, that's an issue. But if you're talking yes. about a generic Apple, just a straight up Apple with a leaf on it, I'm, I'm like, I yeah, I don't even know why that would be. The, I mean, everyone know. I mean, this world Apple is like a worldwide company. I mean, I know they're definitely huge here in the states, but I mean, yeah. there's people all across the world that are you know familiar with this company. So it's not like, oh my goodness, an apple, oh, that must mean the company. No, it's just, chill out. It's just an apple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm so, sure we really could pick that one apart. Oh, we uh, could, yeah. <laughs> and that and that's kind of where the 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 uh, debatable comes into play, where we would actually take more time and kind of break that down and have a little more fun with it. Um, moving on to nothing, we now have a set date for the Nothing Phone 2. Um According to the Nothing Twitter account, they have posted the announcement date, which is now July 11th at 4 p.m. British time or 11 a.m. East Coast. Yep. So uh, just note that July 11th for the phone, too. I'm kind of excited for that one. So I am. I actually did see that. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, I'm very excited about uh, the release of it and what it entails. We've obviously seen some rumors regarding it, but um, global impacts. Yep. Yeah, sure. exactly. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, what um, Pay has done here. So, yes, let's go, Carl. Yeah, a couple weeks ago we saw the newest Mac Pro release, and now we are seeing a bug where when the computer is put to sleep or automatically goes to sleep and is woken back up, specific model SATA drives that are user installed are software relatedly disconnected, and this can easily be determined by either checking the storage drives in Finder or if a pop-up that says that your disk was not rejected properly. Essentially, the only way to reconnect it is to fully restart, not reset, but restart your Mac. So, um, yeah, just so you guys are aware of that, that is the dealio. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be actually kind of annoying, though, just because I know some people use those as like, you know, backup storage drives or especially for power users, which that's really what Mac Pros are for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something simple as just having a drive disconnect 
that's, I feel like that shouldn't even happen, but it's a new product. So they're, they're trying to get things bound to be some to, problems. To, yeah. Yeah. I just wish that wasn't one of them, but, um, was right. there, did they actually have any, uh, fixes on that at all or are they just stuck with that? Yeah. Apple says that they are aware of this and have a fix in the works oh, okay. to be released via Mac OS updates. However, for now, there does seem to be a small user-selected fix where you can go into settings, select displays, click on advanced, and then turn on the prevent automatic sleeping when display is off. And this should, in theory, take care of the issue as, again, the problem only occurs when the computer goes to sleep. So, yeah, small fix for now, at least. Well, at least, uh, yeah, at least, at least there's something where you can kind of patch it while we're waiting on Apple to get their junk, junk together. So... Um, the June pixel update has come out and this update is jam packed, much like this episode, uh, with detailed <laughs> fixes in the log notes. Uh, at least 33 fixes were listed and I'm sure there were probably even more that weren't even included in the release notes. Um, so quite frankly, this is something that I wish Apple would actually get back into the habit of doing mm-hmm. where they not only become more bug fix oriented, but that they actually list what is being fixed. Uh, because this really gets on my nerves. And actually, if you follow Zillow Tech on YouTube, he he's the same way. Like, we're not saying that you have to list out every single vulnerability and certificate and stuff like that. Right. Because obviously, that's something you guys need to be keep behind your, you know, security wall. But as far as like, okay, what app fix am I looking at? And what do I know that's different? That's where I would like to be like, okay, this is great. Yeah. Uh, nothing with Carl Pay. They do a great job with updates and actually listing what visual improvements could be seen. So, but uh, mm-hmm. in either case, this update is available for the Pixel 4a all the way up to the latest uh, Pixel 7a, which of course includes 7 and 7 Pro. So, so does this uh, basically apply to? Like you with like what you said with Apple, like you can't really see any of the main fixes or any of the major bugs that are in there. They're not shown. Is that what you were getting at? Right. Like, I mean, nine times out of 10, you'll see on iOS or Mac OS or whatever. Uh, you'll see like it just says bug fixes and improvements. Oh, well, yeah. Duh. It's like, of course, it's going to be like a security update because that's what you're trying to fix. But I mean, like, what does that impact? What apps are impacted by that? And what would I notice? Well, you can Um, go on the link and it shows you this stuff, right? There is still a limited amount of information that that it gives you. Even Aaron Zello will actually point that out on their release page where all those notes are supposed to be and they're not there. Hmm. Um, They they sometimes, obviously, they they list some of the newer features that, you know, you'll see but even then, that's limited, and it's just actually here. Let me show you this because you'll actually, I think you'd be impressed. Okay. Or either that or overwhelmed. One second. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. so like every single thing, every detail, it's like all there laid out. If you guys check this out in the description, uh, there's just so much to it. And yeah, it's who knows how many people would actually read this, but the fact that it's there for especially us, us enthusiasts to understand is really impactful and helpful. Um, I think it's one of those things where, um, slightly related, but you know how with the Vision Pro, when they released it, they never actually discussed the weight. They never told us the weight of it. (laughs) It's one of those things where they hide information so that way the, you know, people that, you know, have an iPhone or what have you, don't worry about it and don't, consider it an issue in the future 
because they don't know what's been fixed and they don't know like what bugs are still there. It's like a preventative measure for Apple is just to say like, hey, this is all here. This is all we got. And whatever else is the issue here, we're not going to tell you that'll be released in a future update. It's just, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to say like, okay, there's issues wrong with this or like there's X amount of known issues and not saying what they are. That I get. Yeah. But like when you actually list out what the fixes are, that says to me that, okay, I didn't even like, I'm sure some people would be like, I didn't even know that was a problem, but you guys are taking the initiative to not only fix it, but to let me know that, hey, this was an issue and we fixed it for you. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I wish the app would do that as well. I never realized that when you click on a, a link, obviously, that it wouldn't give you the full info, or at least sometimes maybe they have. But yeah, sometimes they have. And I think I think they were better at it in the early days um, and even in older uh, generations. Like I'm probably going back to maybe 11 or 12, iOS 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've definitely faded away from that. And I just really, it probably, it actually says a lot about the fact because that's really how buggy the system has become. Um, exactly. There's just so much going on and they've really just veered away from that. And it's not really an Apple way of doing things. And I'm kind of kind of curious if it would still be that way if Steve Jobs was was a CEO. So yeah, totally agree uh, right there. neither here nor there. <laughs> yep. Um, much news surrounding Activision lately has been in conjunction with the Microsoft acquisition deal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that deal that we've mentioned like quite a few times, quite a few times, but, uh, (laughs) even on their own Activision Blizzard is still thriving in the gaming world. Back on June 6th, their latest game Diablo four launched and in just five days, it brought in an astounding revenue of $666 million, which uh, I have to. I, ha- I do have to mention this. the The face cover for the um, the actual game is a a devil. I think so. Six hundred sixty. I was I was wondering if you were gonna pull that out. I I yeah. I saw yes. that at Walmart actually. The game, and I have no idea what Diablo is by the way. But I've yeah. never played it either. I was actually gonna ask you that because I I saw this come across the news as well that they were doing good with Diablo. I, I, that's that's a lot of money though. Uh, but um, that is pretty pretty uh, ironic there. It is, yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't reach the likes of GTA V's $1 billion in three days back in 2013, or even Red Dead Redemption's $725 million back in 2018, which also only took three days. It's certainly a record for Activision and their subsidiary Blizzard. So, yeah. That is insane. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of my concern is like, how are they doing with this whole entire Microsoft thing? And how will they, you know, rebound if this thing gets declined, which it's pretty much on its way to being being that case. Um, But yeah, yeah, they seem to be doing really good as far as a gaming developer and just staying right on track. Um, Like I said, I've never played that game. I don't even know what it's about, but evidently it's a big hit. So yeah, um, that's that's. That's crazy though. To actually think about um, Grand Theft Auto Five, man, one billion dollars in three days—that's insane. Yeah, and then actually, they uh, it was two years ago. They what was it? Epic Games. They allowed you to buy the game for free. And I, I yes, I, I think I remember it. seeing that. Yes. Yeah, I got it for free, but I don't play it because it's so laggy on my little Core uh, i5 laptop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally see that but uh, regardless, yeah, that th- those are one of those records that's it's hard to beat these days. So, Man. yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Last week, we noted most of the specs we had anticipated for the OnePlus V Fold. 
uh, the sister model to the Oppo Find N2 and the upcoming N3. However, something that just came to our attention is that both the Find N3 and the V Fold are expected to feature wireless charging. Hmm. But uh, potentially not just any wireless charger, but the one that is currently found in Oppo's Find X6 Pro, which boasts 50 watts of wireless charging speeds. Wow. It currently offers 10 watts of reversed wireless charging as well. That so, is redonkulous. Yeah, I really am. Uh, I'm intrigued by that. I would love to see that kind of. I mean, think about it. OnePlus has been really good when it comes to wireless charging. I mean, granted, you For have sure. to buy their own dock, but yeah. I feel like they at least gave you that capability of being like, okay, here's wireless charging, and you can really, you know, drive home that speed. And not have to worry about, oh, I should probably wire it because it'd be faster. Well, <laughs> especially when most wireless charging today is about five or 10 and it doesn't even come with reverse charging. And exactly. most phones don't even have a reverse wireless charging either. So, yeah, yeah to Apple's see that on the lag back for that one. So, <laughs> yeah, we won't get into that. There, there, but anyway, that's uh, 15 watts. So. Uh, but yeah, we, we won't touch that. that, that would uh, That's a debatable topic. <laughs> that's, uh, that's debatable right there. Um, We're going to say that a lot uh, to this joke, but yeah. (laughs) In fact, uh, much of what we see from the Find X6 Pro, uh, we expect to see in the V Fold. Uh, Clearly, Hmm. you know, these are rumors, but they are sourced from top tipsters on Weibo. So time will tell if the specs are as impressive as the rumors. So Um, Another item concerning software updates pertains to Samsung and their Galaxy watches. They have stated that they plan to give many Galaxy... (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) What's an Alexi? <laughs> I don't know. That's They have stated that they plan to give many Galaxy Watch models a feature called IHRN or irregular heart rhythm notification. This could be very beneficial to many Galaxy Watch owners in helping to detect if they are experiencing cardiovascular problems such as AFib. Samsung states that the newer models, such as the Watch 5 and Fry Pro, are among the first to receive this feature with the One UI 5 watch software update. And this is set to take place here in the summertime, and for those models that are no longer supported to receive that software upgrade, the feature will be coming later this year to those older models. So this kind of harkens back to what we kind of discussed in the beginning of this uh, episode with the Apple Watch being able to detect a regular heart rate, and now it looks like Samsung kind of picking up on that too here, so... That's really yeah. good. I'm glad they are um, not just for the sake of competitiveness, but so that each yes. each person who has, whether you're Apple or Samsung and even other companies, I hope they add this too. I don't know if some others do, but um, that way a lot of people can still be will still be able to, you know, live safely. At least have some sort of detection. Yeah, because exactly. I mean, like, obviously, you're not supposed to use your watch as some sort of health. Right. Uh, they device. say that it's, it's not. More of, yes. Don't exactly. ever use it that way. But as long as it's something that kind of gives you that warning to say, hey, you might want to go to the hospital or at least call your doctor or something like that because something does seem askew, um, I think that's really important. Like you said, I totally agree with that. That is a yeah. very good point. It's not so much about competition. It's actually about the benefits uh, of the user, especially when it pertains to health. So right on. Exactly. Yeah, but we're going to go ahead and move on to deals here. So you can get the Google Pixel 6 Pro right now for 40% off, and it's down from 900 to $500 uh, on Amazon. So that's not bad. I mean, it's not amazing, but that's a pretty decent price for an old flagship. It's not super old, but yeah, it's, it's an older one, but yeah. I mean, like that's, uh, $500. That's like uh pixel seven, a territory. So pretty much. Yeah. Uh, 
it'd, it'd be a year old, so that would set you back a one year of software upgrades. So right, but that's still a deal for some of you guys who are just trying to get in on uh, the ground floor and actually get some pro features as well, because that one will actually come with a uh, ultra wide and a telephoto. So right, yeah. And then I've also got the uh, Logitech G502 uh, Lightspeed Wireless Gaming Mouse. That is down 41% from $150 to $88. So, Ooh, nice. Uh, I think it's got like almost five stars with over 10,000 reviews on Amazon. So that definitely wow. seems like a, okay. a really good model to get if you're... I, I'm personally kind of question that just because I've never... I've always thought that when it comes to gaming, everything has to be wired. But uh, the fact that that has a really popular following um, it says a lot, so... Yeah, it does. Uh, I personally, you know, wireless or wired. I think that's the kind of the stereotypical gamer. It's just like he's got yes. a wired mouse and keyboard. But yeah, wired or wireless, it's as long as the quality is good, you honestly should have good experience. Yeah, the DPI is high and the latency is low. So yeah, exactly. So YouTube is now allowing small creators such as myself to have a better chance at making money. Uh, now, before we get into this, this whole thing does not apply to ad revenue sharing. A couple sites made it seem like it was for that, but it's not. It only applies to things like super chat memberships, super thanks, super stickers, and even add your own products through YouTube shopping. Oh, that's cool. So while the normal requirements for ARS are still of normal. The requirements for the previously mentioned accoutrements have changed from having to have at least 1,000 subs to 500, and you now have to have either 3,000 hours of watch time in the past year instead of 4,000, or 3,000 views on shorts instead of 10,000, and you have to have at least three active videos in the last 90 days that you've uploaded. Now, for some people, this, this new update has shown up, while for others, like, once again, me, it has not. But even though this does not apply to ARS, it is still a very good thing that YouTube is doing this because I think what this is going to do is motivate small channels like us to continue putting out more content. And I think that will in turn drive up YouTube's general revenue. Um, although I'm sure you have some thoughts, questions, comments, snide remarks on the matter. Um, yeah, that makes me sound like an amazing host. Uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with no, you. No, not really. No, I know. Not really. Um, I feel like I actually disagree with what you're saying overall. The fact that it just allows those smaller users just to gain some traction. Because um, like you're saying, it can be discouraging. Like if you're just a, a startup channel and there's not much going on and like us. Not a whole lot of traction. More subscribers. Yes. It's just, it, it can yeah. be a little bit more of a negativity. And I think YouTube is actually seeing that and they're trying to, you know, obviously it's money driven, of course. And that's exactly that's, that's yeah. why they do anything. But I mean, at least in this case, it, the the beneficiaries are you know the, those, those. Yeah, and we're we're kind of seeing that now, especially like we talked about community tab being available for people now, not just right. people at five hundred, but everyone. So I think exactly. Yeah, like you said, YouTube's seeing that, and they want people to you know have the opportunity to really put up more content, um, to just make the kind of stuff they want to without having to feel like there's such this huge vast. A road they have to take at least it's been cut in half now so that's really good yeah and i mean that's that's not to say that just to clarify this this is not to say that the reason why we do this is that you know we want income yes this would be great if this could become a full-time job and we wouldn't have to worry about our day job we could actually do what we love right but that's why we're doing it initially because we love doing it we love having fun and we're really big into you know tech and news exactly. and the changes that are coming 
And that's really why we do what we do. And it's just great because eventually we get paid for doing that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, big, big time shout out for YouTube doing that for, for smaller users like that. Um, whether or not it's money motivated, it's, it, it affects us big time. So absolutely. So a few episodes back, we cited a feature coming to the Apple Pencil where Find My Support would finally be implemented. Uh, we now have more rumors on what we expect from the Apple Pencil third gen. Okay. Uh, so we'll start off with a more imaginative feature that seems to be a little bit too good to be true. But uh, evidently, it could have the capability of sampling colors from physical, real-world surfaces and even go so far as to detect the type of texture that surface contains <laughs> that's that's so cool it's insane yes so it would thereby replicate those given colors and textures into the supported ipads when drawing on the screen so uh, several patents that include optical sensors color sensors associated with the apple pencil have already been in the works uh, concerning this and i would say that this may be something that they save for pro model Yes, for a pro model or even maybe the fourth gen, because I just feel like this is either a bit too early, going to be too expensive to do for regular gen, or it's it's too early. Yes, yeah. So um, that's still ridiculous, though. Like just the is. thought of that even happening. Just you touch your pencil on a piece of wood, and not only copies the color but also the texture. Like four hundred dollars. It's going to be 400. <laughs> oh, let's not go there, please. <laughs> let's not go to the price. No, go I'm ahead. Not ready for go that ahead. Yet. No, no, come on, come on. What, what you got in this, man? What, pricing? Yeah. Uh, for an Apple Pencil Pro, oh, geez. I'm, let's see, the current one is 130. I'm going to say 200. I'm, I'm going to be fair. I, I had 400 as a joke, but I'll do uh, 7,000. No, I'm just kidding. 300. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. I still feel like that's still high, but hey, you never know what's Apple. So it is true. Um, yeah. But another patent that's in the works indicates that the pencil could pull features from the AirPods Pro 2, where multiple gesture inputs like squeezing and swiping would be implemented. This would be in addition to the existing feature that the current pencil possesses with the double tap function, where yep. it switches between different writing tools, which you're very familiar with. Yeah. And I so am. is your wife. So mm-hmm. uh, I actually thought that this. This should have been there for a while now, just because we've we've had more gestures on that, even from competition on headphones and such. So it's kind of surprising that we waited yeah. this long. And the, that same gesture, the double tap, has been there for a long time now. And I feel like a few by now, I totally agree with you. By now, there should have been quite a few more, you know, things that you could do with the pencil. Well, I think I think the biggest thing between the first gen and the second gen was just the fact that we don't have to plug the Dane lightning port into the iPad to charge the oh, yeah. pencil. That was like, oh my goodness, you Beautiful. relieved so much when it should have been part of first gen. Exactly. But uh, in either case, uh, as always, we could rattle on about how terrible Apple does things. But I think um, we could make a whole debatable episode on things we hate about <laughs> Apple. We, we could. <laughs> we really could. The last thing that I can definitely see Apple doing in regards to this next rumor is that we expect them to add a rotating crown or dial at the top of the pencil, which would provide even more Hmm. customization of feature adjustments for the user. 
Uh, personally, one of the things that I kind of wish they would add, another thing, of course, is the ability to flip the pencil and use the top end like an eraser. As the eraser, yes. Now, oh my goodness. Yes, yes. I would assume that most people would be, you know, yelling at the uh, speakers right now and saying that JD, the whole point of the double tap is to actually switch to the eraser. For me, you don't know how many times I actually flip the pencil thinking that I'm about to erase something when it's just, oh, yeah, I have. It, it's because of how real that pencil feels in your hand, and it feels like, oh, yes, there should be an eraser. Yes, that's exactly how it is. So, I've done that, too. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. So, <laughs> No, you're not, I promise. And I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of other people have done that, because I'm like, it's it's a quick gesture, so it's not bad, but also it's a pencil. You would think it's that unnatural. it would have the capabilities. Exactly. You would think it would have the capabilities to do that. But Especially when you call yeah, it Yeah, I hope pencil. they add that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I know a generic name, Apple yes, Pencil. Yes. Oh, Journals. talk. Yeah, talk about you know copyright the pencil. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> we, we, yes, we won't exactly. go back to that. But um, no, it's it's true. Just just giving something that's natural. And I mean, Steve Jobs was always about doing something that's natural with you know fingers. What comes to mind when you're trying to utilize certain three D touch? Yes, exactly. So which that's gone. Yeah. But um, yep. the other thing that I'll throw in there is that we could possibly have a black edition coming, as that seems to be a largely requested product. Um, my opinion would be that it would look great on the side of an iPad, but up till now, without the support of Find My, I feel like Apple held off on doing so because of how dark it would look, and more easily you could lose it as white often stands out more than black in uh, various scenarios. So yeah, I'm not sure if you would welcome a black edition, but I, I think it'd be great to have. I think last year they actually, we saw a rumor about them possibly making a black one. And at the time I thought it was pretty good to have a variety of color, but now thinking on it, yeah, it would be harder to find. And also like, I feel like white just generally goes good with most iPads, uh, their colors and everything. It does, and I'm not saying it doesn't. It's just, um, yeah, I'm not saying black is horrible. Right. Like a lot of things look great in black, but you know, yes, yeah. we're not, we're not, we're not Dark Knight here. It's not like we need to have everything. No, black, but um, <laughs> no, not at all. In any case, uh, moving along with Apple, what do you got, Riley? So our Asian bro Ming-Chi Kuo has struck again and is saying that Apple will be rolling out next year's iPhones with Wi-Fi seven. I won't go into specifics of 7 since we actually mentioned it in an earlier episode, but you right. guys can click on the link down in the description if you need a refresher on this new update. Yep. Now, even if this rumor is to come for, to fruition, as 9to5Mac reminds us that most people do not have a router that supports 7. That's and unless true. you're willing to spend upwards of $500 to $700 on a new router, this update will not be very important to you. Regardless, I think this is good because at the very least, Apple is putting their foot in the door and is one of the first companies to actually utilize 7, yeah. however flawed their decision may be. I'm um, not sure what you think of that. It's good, bad, okay. Um, but. I, there's two things that come to mind. One is cost to actually get it in there. The other thing is yes. future-proofing. Yep. So I'm glad that they're future-proofing, but it's also like, okay, as long as it's not going to ramp up the um, you know cost for users, I don't really care. I'm, I'm glad you're actually moving ahead and trying to think uh, beyond just the next, you know, couple of years. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. So, uh, it wouldn't surprise me that Quo is on top of things when it comes to what they're going to be implementing in the, you said the 16 iPhone 16. Yep. Okay. So year. that's yep. next year. Yep. All right, cool. Well, heading back to Samsung time is actually running out before the galaxy watch announcement 
for Samsung's 6th gen wearables take place. Mm. One where we are anticipating a basic watch 6 and the return of the darling favorite, the watch classic. Uh, which is said to return the feature of the rotating bezel. Obviously, we notated that, uh, I think it was last yeah. week or the week before. But, a couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. But as further rumors couldn't possibly unfold, we now have even more news on these models. First off, we are expecting thinner bezels, which isn't necessarily a huge deal, but the fact that the 40 and 44 millimeter sizes are expected to stay with the base model, uh, it means a slightly larger screen. So the 40 mil should jump from 1.2 to 1.31. Yes, it is good. And the 44 millimeter should see a jump, uh, should see a smaller jump of 1.4 to 1.47 on the screen size. So it's hmm. like I said, it's not huge, but as we've learned with Pixel, uh, bezels do matter. And if they're really thick, they're going to be a pain. And if you lower that, these are wearables. So the screen size is not that big to begin with. So any little bit of percentage increase is definitely welcome. And like you were saying, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good thing to have for the consumer. Um, yeah, every little part of the bezel that you get rid of, even if it's just minute, does affect your day-to-day use of that watch. And um, even though a phone would probably get more out of um getting rid of the bezels a little bit, even watches themselves, just that little bit counts. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I, th- I agree with you. I think that, I think that watches should actually have the thinnest bezels of all, because here's, here's what, where's my perspective? Yes. You're holding a phone and accidental yep. touches are more yep. prone when you have something that you actually have to have your hands on the side of your watch is just stationary on your wrist. So you don't have to worry about holding exactly. it. It's already there. Uh, so bigger screens and smaller bezels should actually be, better utilized on those um, timepieces. So yeah, as far as colors, the watch six should see finishes of beige or like tan or something like that and black and silver. So, okay. And then for the watch classic, it looks as though the footprint on that timepiece will actually grow a millimeter. So it'll go from 42 and 46 to 43 and 47. Uh, and this is also hmm. expected to see thinner bezels while still holding true to the rumor of that rotating bezel. Um, yeah. The classic should good. sport silver and black. However, there is a note that a special leather stitched band could be in the making, possibly something like a Tommy Hilfiger edition or something of that nature. Okay. Yeah. So cool. I think they've done that in the past, but I'm not sure if this is going to be some other branding. I think they did that last year, didn't they? I think that was last year. Yeah. Well, there's it's, it's every single year you come out with something and we have to remember this stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, the internal chip is still said to be based on Samsung's in-house Exynos series, but rather than the W920, we expect the W930 to make its way to these flagship smartwatches uh, from the Korean mm. giant. So, um, okay, good. I'm not sure if you're you're probably not too excited about the Galaxy watches, just because they tend to have a typical styling that may not really suit your preferences. I'm always intrigued by it. I find the actual Really? Hmm. I I find the yeah, I find the exterior design of Samsung watches to be very um aesthetically pleasing. I wouldn't Yeah, yeah. Okay. Almost luxurious in a sense, especially oh, wow, okay. the classic. Yeah. Yes. Because Apple doesn't really do that kind of thing. Um I've always found Apple's watches to, you know, be very um, smooth, well refined, and honestly, like they just look really good too. But for Samsung, I I I almost like theirs better in in certain categories, if you will. Um, 
just because it looks more like a watch. It does. In general. It does. So, yeah. And that's not to hate on Apple, obviously. They, they both have their flaws in, in some way or another. But just by just by aesthetic, I, I think Samsung kind of gets a, away with a lot more there for it's me. It's kind of funny because even though Apple is not Japanese, um, I would actually think of Apple as Toyota. And I would think of Samsung, obviously, since the Korean, as Hyundai. Um, because they have, you know, all the cool designs on their cars and they really have been killing it in that department. But it's like Toyota's never been really known for being ostentatious or anything like that. They've been known to just kind of blend in with the crowd and give you reliability. Yep. And that really is Apple's, you know, stance is just making sure that you have something that you can, you know, that that'll stand by you when it comes to exactly. um, technology. So that's kind of how I picture it. And that's actually, um, mm-hmm. I like what you're saying there as far as far as their designs, because I do agree with you. Um, but actually, on a quick note for the upcoming Unpacked event, we have some leaked promo images for the Flip and the Fold for those who are interested. Um, and it's worth stating that the reason why we really haven't had as much rumors for the Galaxy Fold 5 is because we really don't expect uh, many changes coming to that model. Uh, hmm. which in I didn't my think opinion, about that, actually. What was that? I didn't think about that, actually. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was something that was kind of in the back of my head. I'm, I'm like, I'm guessing they're not changing much. But in my opinion, I feel like it's for the best because it kind of seems like they've hit that level of refinement that's probably worth keeping the same for another year or maybe even two. Yeah, uh, pretty much. any new or radical changes. So, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to that foldable market. But uh, the one thing that we are expecting on a minor note is that this year's showcased color should be taking a page out of iPhone's sierra blue or like a sky blue sort of color Ooh, nice okay uh, so if you guys want to check that out that'll be in the description um because that's part of the promo images as well as the flip five so you can definitely see what uh, what's coming and what you'll see at the event but uh, outside of that there really isn't much else from the rumor mill on the fold five okay um which is expected to debut along with the watch six and six classic in seo korea yes <laughs> yep hometown yeah, I know that that is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I had not thought about the folds, um, not having a lot of rumors just because there wouldn't be a lot of things released. But, uh, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. There's, when it comes to, when it comes to a fold, I think Samsung stands out the most there because I don't think anyone really has gotten close to that. I'm sure, you know, companies will eventually, um, maybe in a year or two, but as yes. of now, it, it's the global track. Yeah. So to have, you know, some minor updates, I think that's, that's good enough. So. As you know, we have advanced even further with technology, and there's some things that you and I have not really liked a whole lot, and other things that make us just go, whoa, bro. Uh, this is one of those whoa, bro things, at least in my view. A company called okay. Rolling Square has developed this sort of business card that not only utilizes NFC and QR code technology, but is also a tracker. Oh. You can basically use this thing to transfer money to friends or whatnot. No. Obviously, you can't actually use Yeah. Obviously, wow. you can't actually use it as a typical uh, card considering while well, having the same size as a normal card. It is about two times thicker sitting at a wild 2.2 millimeters, which is still small for its capabilities, which we'll be getting to in a moment here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a lot of stuff to unpack with this card, so I'm just going to highlight a few of its main features. Okay. You get a lifetime subscription to share it, which gives you the ability to link your card to your social so people can pay from there. So like if, you know, wow. on Instagram, you can put your link there and they can pay you from there instead of having to, you know, do other longer transfers. 
Yeah. Um, there is a speaker. No. Wow. <laughs> yes. A speaker. Damn. And this thing uh, has a volume of 105 decibels. Wow. Which, That's by crazy. the way, studies have shown that 85, if you're listening to it for a long period of time, you can actually use, lose your hearing from it. I was going to say, because so, we had the Watch Ultra that has, what, 80-some decibels when you're It's about to, 80. Yep. Lost? I yes. was actually thinking about that when I wrote this. I was like, yep. the Watch Ultra was pretty close, but even that, this thing is louder than that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't think I'll have a problem hearing this thing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it utilizes Find My Network. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, you'll be able to uh, use your Find My app and find this thing no matter where you are. It's pretty crazy. Hey, now you got to think about the cost. <laughs> You might find it interesting. Okay. Uh, you can share this item with up to five people, and it has a thirty month of ba- thirty months of battery life. Wow! And so with impressive. this battery life, yeah, I know, right? And with this battery life, obviously comes some uses. Uh, excuse me, comes some issues, which Rolling Square has found a way out for you. Okay. First off, the card will still have its main functions of NFC and QR code. Those oh, do not cool. require battery life, obviously. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's really only the air card part of its functions that requires the battery. So that's okay. why it's able to last for 30 months or so. What's the milliamp? Does it state? Yeah, it actually has 540 milliamps uh, and it utilizes a lithium cell battery, which is crazy okay. for this wow. small little compact thing. I know it's ridiculous. That's more than some of the watches out there. That's insane. I know. Exactly. And because of that, like I said, just using the air car technology, that's why it's able to last so long. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess when you think about it, if it's just flat and stuff like that and if there's no screen or anything, I mean, you really can just make use of that space and make it all battery. But that's still pretty impressive. Actually, now that you mention it, there is Gorilla Glass on the top of it, so you can actually see through. No. Man. Yeah. All right. You got to tell me the price, man, because I'm really interested. <laughs> well, here's the other thing before we get to the price. Okay. The other thing with regards to this battery, because once it goes dead, you can't utilize the air card functions. That's right. Yep. After the 30-month period, Rolling Square will email you and give you a 50% coupon for a brand spanking new one if you would like wow. it. Wow. And if you don't, you can just keep it and use it as normal. Like I said, you can use it with your socials. You can still use the QR code and NFC. Oh, so, my goodness. The price right All now, right. because this is a Kickstarter right now, and there's over $900,000 that have been put into this um, wow. that people have paid. $30. $30? Yep. 30 bucks. Wow. And I feel like that does more, way more than AirTags, and that's 20 bucks. Exactly. Oh yeah. my word! I think I'm going to jump on that train. I'm right going to get one as I've well. I've been wanting to have one for my wallet, let alone. So that's exactly. really impressive. Uh, what was their pledge? Did you happen? To, did you happen to check that one out on Kickstarter? Uh, I know, I know they have a pledge see. amount that they're trying to reach. I think it was a million, but let me let me check here. Or maybe it was a hundred thousand. Uh, let's see. That's still impressive, though. Thirty. Wow. I was I was like maybe thinking with all that and comparing it to an AirTag, I was thinking maybe like fifty or something like that. Which maybe sometimes with Kickstarter they do give you like discounts and stuff in the early going, so maybe it will reach a higher price. Well, yeah, that is the discount um, that this guy mentioned. But let me see if I can find. Oh, fifty nine hours to go! Wow, they're at a million. Yeah, they're at a million. One eighty eight. This is what um, AirTag should have been. Yep, one hundred percent agree with you. I feel like Apple had a missed opportunity on this one. Major missed opportunity. RFID blocker, water resistant. IP68, yep. 
Yep, yep. I'm looking. I'm looking through this because I'm checking this out. You're 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 really intriguing me with this one. Um, the AirTag only has a maximum of sixty decibels. Yeah, and that's what's kind of so annoying is like when I'm when I'm playing a sound for the AirTag. I sometimes hear it if it's like in my yes. room, but if it's outside in the room, it's very hard to hear. So with this, there's yep. like no way you can possibly not hear it. But yeah, yeah, I've actually noticed that because when I I, when I put um some some of the uh, cases from Amazon on my AirTags, and depending on how um, airtight they are, it's a little bit harder to hear that. So and then you throw that like under a couch cushion or something like that, it even muffles it further. So. Yeah, it has all of that stuff. It has the advanced lost mode where it'll actually let you know you left behind. Um, oh, the other thing is that it'll actually, like, it'll have a pre-recorded or some sort of thing where it'll give the person that found it a message um, and it'll tell them, like, oh, this is such and such or whatever. It's pretty cool. Depending on which combo you do, like, by one, two, three, four, five, you get certain more higher percentages taken off of it. Right. Kind of um, comes up to like a five pack. Yep. It does. Get that. So yeah, that is really impressive. Wow. I, I, I really wasn't expecting that much out of such a tiny little. I know. Right. It's a wow bro thing. Man, It is one of the, yeah, this is, this is just one of those things that just shocks me to the core of just like, wow, what Apple missed on this is downright insane. Oh yeah, uh, they're gonna be so sad when they see how much money they could have made on this. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But uh, in either case, um, yeah, there's a uh, fifty some hours left on it, so you there will probably be limited amount of time for when uh, you guys are listening to this on the podcast. But um, definitely at least check it out for the specs and stuff like that. We will certainly be uh, picking ours up at some point in time. Yeah, for later. sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in either case, uh, we're moving on to View Sonic. So, uh, Riley, I think even though this show is like still pr- fairly new, uh, I don't think we've actually had in the past 40, 41 episodes of our channel that we've ever had View Sonic as a main topic. Uh, I no, believe we've had it as like so. a brand as far as deals, possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, this will so. be the first time they've come up with uh, more than just a discounted product. So. That being said, back in March, they announced the X1 4K LED projector, uh, something that still hasn't been seen as far as public listings go. But now we have news that the next iteration of this model, the Short Throw X2 4K projector, will be available for the public to purchase coming in July. Hmm. Um, Now, I know you're probably thinking the same thing, Riley, as well as our listeners here, but uh, why is this such a big deal? Like, it's just a projector, right? I was actually wondering about the cost, but yeah. Well, we'll get there too. Uh, well, it's <laughs> actually being labeled as the world's first projector that will offer a, quote, certified for Xbox, unquote, status. It has gone through 63 tests that have been performed spe- specifically wow. by Team Xbox to guarantee ultimate console compatibility. That is crazy. I wonder why only specifically Xbox. Um, I, I mean... They did say you probably could use your like a PlayStation with it and other gaming consoles, but it's probably I think they were trying trying to de- determine like okay which company do we want to actually have full compatibility with? Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, and I'm sure if they try to do both, that could increase the cost, which again we'll get to. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's that's, that's a so fair cool question. though. That's amazing. Yeah, so it'll support CEC or Consumer Electronics Control. So 
And actually, let me pause that for a second. For those of you who aren't aware of what that technology is, it's what allows peripherals and accessories like um, your Fire TV remote, for example. That's what allows it to control the volume or turn on off the TV. So that's what CEC hmm. does for your for your um, home devices. Okay. And that that would basically allow the Xbox controller to control, um, you know, powering off the projector and stuff like that. So that is pretty wild, though. I mean, it probably, it like gives up probably high, like, do you even know what the quality would get? Obviously 4K, but like. Yeah. Um, so as far as, well, we'll start with the size. So the short throw projector will allow you to place the unit only about five feet away from the wall and yet offer up to a hundred inches of display for gaming entertainment. Wow. Uh, according to ViewSonic, the unit also offers specifications of up to 2,900 lumens of brightness. Uh, okay. which there are some that are more brighter than that, obviously, uh, yeah, especially if right. you go higher quality. Um, although according to the ANSI standards, those lumen specs drop down to an official rating of 2,150. So just bear that in mind. Uh, okay. but I mean, that's still fairly bright. You'll have access to two 2.0 HDMI ports, which it's a little unfortunate. I was kind of hoping to have HDMI 2.1, at least on one of them would be great. Because that does limit how much data it can pull. Yeah. So, and to answer that question, you'll have a top 4K refresh rate of 60 hertz. However, if you wanted to jack up that rate, you'd have to drop the resolution down to 1440p. That's so, still not bad. That's not bad. And yeah, it, honestly, uh, that's the same thing. When if you think about uh, the majority of games out there for Xbox, they don't really even offer 4K 120 hertz specifications. No, they don't. Specifications. So yeah. Uh, and I think that's the same way with my um, Xbox One X. I, I actually hit there after drop down 4K to 1440 to get 120, or I have to drop it down to 60 hertz to get uh, 4K. So, which is kind of good because at least you know you can favor one or the other. I assume online gamers will want to have higher refresh rate because that's really important. Yeah. And I guess if you were playing like some sort of animated game or like adventure game, you might want you know better um, resolution. So. Yeah, I was going to say it probably varies based on the game you're playing. Exactly. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. It will also house uh, two six-watt Harman Kardon speakers, but I imagine most okay. gamers will probably opt for headsets. But at least you have yeah. speakers in case you're on the go and you forget something. There's something there to at least, you know, give you the sound. If you're playing time. with other people in the same room or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's and this good. would be great, like, in, in scenarios like I was saying with other consoles, like a Nintendo Switch or something. That would also work. Um but uh, to actually get around to the big thing of what people are actually interested in and what you're waiting for is the price. So it will come in at $1,600. So that is kind of pricey hmm. when you compare it to other projectors that, that I've looked at with similar specs. But uh, I guess when you consider all the development, the fact that it's certified for Xbox, working alongside Microsoft, it's kind of like what happens when you work with Apple. You know, like all oh, there's documentation, you have to sign stuff, you have to pay them for, you know. That makes sense, fees. yeah. So $1,600 is up there, but I feel like there is some certain justification to it. Yeah. Um, it's just shocking to have it come from ViewSonic. Like, I always thought of them as like a cheapo kind of company. That's but. what I thought, yeah. Because I've seen some of their um, projectors in the past, and they always seem like not yeah. like like an on product almost. Right, like, yes, it's not that's cheap, perfect. But yep. it's not like expensive. But I, but at least like they're branching out and actually making things. I think this for, might give them some traction. Know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will too. Um, yep. Yeah, that's great though. Over seven thousand subreddit owners are going to be making their subreddits private in order to go dark. 
and over 8,000 are saying they will. This is in protest of the CEO of Reddit, Steve Huffman, making a new API policy. API, if you didn't know, by the way, stands for Application Programming Interface. Yep. It allows two programs to communicate with each other, and this essentially permits people to make applications using information from Reddit, such as posts, likes, comments, and much more. For example, if you have ever been on a Discord server and you write the command in the comment tab like exclamation point memes, it will bring up a post from the subreddit memes if you've ever if you've added that bot to your Discord server. This is the kind of communication the API does, and for Reddit, it is a tool that most, if not pretty much all subreddits use, and sometimes it's not necessarily for Discord. Well, now the aforementioned CEO is now charging people for using what was once free. And as I said earlier, people are protesting against this. To make matters worse, a document of an announcement to the employees, who are known as Snows, over at Reddit was leaked. The CEO basically doubled down on the issue and said that he did not care, basically, that the subreddits were going dark. Uh, To quote from uh, Huffman, Starting last night, about a thousand subreddits have gone private. We do not anticipate many of them will come back by Wednesday, as many have said as much. While we knew this was coming, it is a challenge nevertheless, and we have our work cut out for us. A number of snows have been working around the clock, adapting to infrastructure strains, engaging with communities, and responding to the myriad of issues related to this blackout. Thank you, team. We've not seen any significant revenue impact so far, and we will continue to monitor. There's a lot of noise with this one, among the noisiest we've seen. Please know that our team are on it, and like all blowups on Reddit, this one will pass as well. So, yeah. I had heard news about Reddit, and I didn't actually delve into what was going on. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're bringing this up actually kind of brings to light what's going, what, what I would have been missing out on. Um, yep. The one thing that comes to mind, uh, it kind of reminds me of Netflix. <laughs> Yep. Do you really care about your consumers? That's the question. I just like, and then we go back to Marquez Brownlee. Never charge for something that was originally free. I was going to quote that. Yep. I mean, like, I just don't get what companies think when they try to charge something that was originally free. Like, what is the purpose of that? We get that times are tough. We get that the economy is changing, but you've got to find some other way to rebound. And this is not the way to do it. Obviously, people are really ticked off by this. So... I don't know. That's I, I use Reddit from time to time, um, largely just to catch up on some news updates because some people use that, you know, in conjunction with like things like Twitter or even uh, Mastodon, which is pretty much um, kind of like a, a replacement for Twitter for those who don't want to use uh, Musk's server. But um, yeah, yeah, oh, my word. Yeah, just to kind of get into the pricing here. It's free to write only access with the ability to post 1,500 tweets per month at no cost. That's Twitter. Okay. Um, just to kind of highlight something quick here, this is from Forbes. Uh, one of the policy changes will charge third-party app developers that need high usage limits $0.24 cents for every 1,000 AP calls. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're doing a whole list of communications between apps, that's a lot of money. And for this one guy who created Apollo, his name's Christian Selig, he said that this change would cost him and his team $20 million a year. Wow. Yep. 
So it's 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 affecting people in a huge way, and this has caused a lot of subreddits to just they've literally made it private. So there's no activity, which causes less ad revenue, which mm-hmm. causes and I know Huffman isn't saying it out loud, but he is losing some money. And he's starting to lose a lot more each day that it passes. And this is not going to stop. I was like, I'm like thinking that when you're reading back what was what kind of the quotations of what was going through that company. I love how they say we expected something like this. Yeah. I don't either. You're not really fully capable of understanding what you're doing or you're extremely naive. (laughs) You're disrespectful because you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like, come on. That is just. You have such a huge... I mean, Reddit's been around for quite a while. And it has. I can't believe that they are just stooping this... This is really... Yeah, they really are stooping this low just to... Well... Yeah. I feel like this one sh- should really have been undebatable because I we would spend a heck of a lot more time trying to look into the details and, and just how much of an effect this has. Probably, yeah. I should have put this one on there, but... But yeah. no, that is... And especially for people who have used Reddit for such a, a, a myriad of time... Like you said, it's it's just a slap in the face, like to see yeah, this go. Exa- like, exactly what you're saying right there. Yeah, it's disrespectful to those loyal, yep. loyal uh, users right there. Man, my goodness. Well, do you have anything a little bit better, uh, happier, maybe? <laughs> um, yeah, we can move back to Apple. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't know if that's a necessarily happy happy thing, but um, <laughs> a Apple. Um, so yeah, we're going to close out this episode with Apple. Uh, further rumors spilling over from what we've already seen at WWDC indicate that we could see some more changes to Apple Music. Okay. All of which imply features that most, uh, if not all, users will benefit from. So if you didn't catch our episode on all of what we broke down on that event, a few of the features were already disclosed. So one was the ability to have party share play in the car, which where users could piggyback on the host CarPlay user and, you know, kind of jump in on the jam, um, which actually hmm. yeah. I did look into it. And I don't know if they actually stated this or not, or if you even know about this, but for those who want to jump in on CarPlay share, uh, you don't actually have to have an Apple music subscription. Okay. Good. So it's just, a, it just runs to the host player and that's how it works. Um hmm. Another was cross-fading songs, something that, if I'm not mistaken, iTunes used to have, and the actually the Apple Music app on Android currently offers as well, for one reason or another. I don't know why it's on Android and not on Apple. but <laughs> I know, that's crazy. I know. Uh, this would allow you to listen to the end of the song, and as it fades out, it would simultaneously begin the next song. So, mm-hmm. something that actually many streaming competitors currently offer. Again, it's Apple. Uh, and for those of us, yeah. including myself, who are running the beta have actually already had an issue with toggling that on and off because once you access the settings app for music, it would automatically crash. Yeah, I've uh, tried. You would be able to access that feature. Yeah, Riley, yesterday you mentioned that as well. So lastly, this was one that we really didn't draw attention to primarily because it wasn't anything that was formally announced or wasn't anything amazing, but the UI design received a small tweak where the player controls when minimized would kind of take like a 3D effect as though they're kind of like hovering over the rest of the app, which I'm sure you probably noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's nothing extraordinary, but as a small tweak, nevertheless. But the two additional features that seem to still be a work in progress point to one, which is a karaoke camera support. So that would allow users to actually record themselves singing karaoke while using the sing-along feature, uh, which was introduced back in iOS 16. 
Yeah. So I don't know if that's anything amazing for you because I'm not really. I've, I actually used it a couple of weeks ago um, while I was at work. I was just singing to, uh, I was rapping with NF <laughs> and I uh, just turned off the uh, music and then just kind of read the lyrics along. Uh, it's oh, okay. a useful tool. I, I don't mind it at all. I actually welcome it because uh, there are a lot of people that like to, you know, rap or sing along or to a uh, yeah, song. Yeah, I mean, I can see that being a big thing on like Facebook Reels or Instagram. Oh, or yeah. Whatever. Or TikTok but, um, even. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love the sing along feature. I'm just like camera support. I guess. Yeah, I guess some people are into that. So, yep. I mean, that's, I suppose that's how some people get famous because they actually show off their voices with the uh, background um, audio. So, that's what Musically was, which is now TikTok. Yeah. But yeah. So, and then the second thing is collaborating playlists. Now, here is a feature that I feel like a lot of people could benefit from, as it implies you would be able to invite family and friends to edit and listen to playlists that you've built together or even started. So, I like that one a lot. Yeah, um, that's probably my favorite one so far from the things that you mentioned. Actually. Yeah, so, and honestly, why this feature hasn't already been part of Apple Music, again, I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you be able to, like, work together on playlists? That just seems illogical, but... Well, I suppose I it's better f- than never having it at all, but I don't even think does Spotify have that ability where you can collaborate on playlists? Um that I don't know. I don't really um I, I've only used uh, Spotify on trial basis, so I don't really jump into it a whole lot. So that may be true, but it just seems like such a obvious thing. Like, hey, there's a lot of people that like to listen to music or they like That's to true. You know, work to, it's just I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, maybe I'll give some Apple some flack on that one, but <laughs> for uh, sure. Yeah, I guess all in all, that seems um, pretty good in general. Hopefully they fix some of those uh, crashes and, you know, uh, issues there. But yeah. Yeah, that's, that's expected to come in. Like I assume like the those latter features are supposed to come in like the fall when it, when it finally arrives to the public. But uh, the minor thing here is there also is a reference to the fact that Apple is looking to try and make the lyrics that aren't synced appear in a larger legible font. Uh, which is another subtle feature that I wish was already in place because quite frankly, it's overdue. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone into that where there's lyrics and it's not synced. It's like a really tiny font and you have to scroll through manually and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So I've seen that. Yeah. So I wish those, that font was a little bit larger and more legible. So, but all in all, I'm, I'm looking forward to Apple music and kind of the more of the updates that come with, uh, iOS 17. Obviously it's, let's see, Jill, well, we're in June, so September. So we're still quite a ways off from when we get the final product. And that means that we'll probably have to wait until I'm going to say January, February, March. I'm going to say March is when we'll finally have, finally have a stable version of iOS 17. I think that sounds about right. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> after the bait, after the, um, you know, minor point one or point four updates. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that just seems to be like, it used to be December, January. Now we're like pushing to March when you finally get a stable version, good battery life and less bugs, but it just yeah. keeps on pushing further and further along before finally, it was just going to be a massive. They tend to rush certain things, OS. I think. Exactly. And I'm like, why rush it? It's like only nobody's really going to b- benefit from all these bugs that you're putting in here. And uh, all so, good but things we, come to those who wait as mother Gothel says. Exactly. But in either case, again, definitely check out our debatable episode that's coming out uh, probably Saturday. We will uh, certainly be looking forward to that, and I hope you guys will enjoy that content as well. So definitely check that out, and that will do it for this week's episode. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out. Peace out.